This is Out of Office for Thursday, the 26th of April, 2012, using the cloud for online collaboration. Welcome to the Out of Office podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you going? I'm well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? I'm happy, and we're doing an online collaboration as we speak. That's right. Uh, how's, how have you been in the last month or so? Very good. Had a bit of a holiday down south in Denmark, and it's a beautiful part of the country, but it's such, such a long way from Perth, But uh, so I need to get there more often, but it really is nice down at Denmark. Yeah, it's been a bit of a funny holiday month, hasn't it? We've had Easter, we've just had Anzac Day yesterday, which means that this week has kind of been two very short weeks, so we've been through quite a bit of holiday time, and of course, cool holidays as well. And have you had a holiday? Uh, I did. Yes, I, I was over in Sydney and the Gold Coast. So that was partly work, partly holiday. And then we came back and a week after that it was Easter. So uh, we didn't go away over Easter. We just had a bit of a holiday, just, just some time here. And, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a funny sort of month for me. It's time we did some work here, huh? <laughs> it is. It is. So today we're going to talk about online collaboration and Really, we're talking about this because more and more people need to collaborate. Uh, they need to collaborate out of the office. And uh, this, I guess, has the title of our book, Out of Office. But more and more is becoming not just something that people like to do, but something that they have to do. And there are a number of reasons they have to do that. Uh, so one is that workforces are just are be- becoming distributed. So if you're working for somebody, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be sitting in the same office as they are. So we call that semi-commuters and e-workers, so either part-time or full-time telecommuters. And even if you're working for yourself, you may be working away from the office, you may have clients who are external and you need to collaborate with them. And also nowadays some some parts of the world and some organizations and industries are still going through a bit of a financial crisis. So cost cutting is becoming really important and uh, travel travel costs are one of the first things to be slashed and people are looking at online collaboration rather than face-to-face. And and the final thing is from a positive viewpoint, there are now better tools available for online collaboration. In the last couple of months, I've been experimenting with Google Hangouts, Chris, and I'm amazed at now how easy it is it is to do video conferencing, for example, and high-quality video conferencing at no cost and fairly easy to set up. So, so there are really good online collaboration tools available. So... Today, we'll talk about online collaboration. We'll talk, we'll talk about our six key principles that, um, that we recommend that you, that you embrace before you start thinking about doing online collaboration. And then we'll, we'll go into a short case study, which is of us writing the out of office book, which we did partly online and partly face to face. Fair enough. I'll kick it off. So whilst online collaboration does have some similarities to collaboration that's done face-to-face, there are some significant differences. And for that reason, we've come up with these uh, six principles that will help you avoid some of the potential pitfalls or problems that you might not necessarily be aware of if you haven't done online collaboration before. So we've got six of them, and we're going to cover each of them in turn. And so I'll hand back to you, Gihan, for the first. Okay, and the first one is about using the cloud. And, we, uh, and the cloud is now becoming ubiquitous almost. And uh, so our, the principle is as far as possible, use the cloud for collaboration. So if you're already using cloud software, whether that's uh, Google Docs or Dropbox or the new Google Cloud, Google Drive, which I've just heard about recently, if you're already using that, it's, it's so much easier. But you may be using 
non-cloud-based services like Microsoft Word, in which case it just takes a little bit more effort. But we still recommend that you use the cloud as much as possible. And one of the things that I've discovered, uh, particularly in the last couple of years, Chris, is that um, as a general rule of thumb, start by assuming it can be done in the cloud and uh, only only go back to non-cloud solution if the cloud-based solution isn't available because it's amazing now what is available, what sort of things you can do just by using cloud-based services. Yeah, and just as a, as a quick example, Chris, I've just got a new PC and a new phone, as it turns out. I, I bought them both in the last month or so. Mm-hmm. And setting up the phone was so much easier than setting up the PC. Now, obviously, a phone is a lot less complex than a PC. But setting up my new phone, because I have my contacts, my calendar, uh-huh. a lot of my email in the cloud, uh, even my apps in the Google Google Marketplace, the, the Play Store, because they are already in the cloud, when I set up my – when I – turned my phone on and it asked for my Google account, I gave it my Google, my Gmail address, and it automatically synchronized everything. So I didn't have to manually transfer a lot of stuff across from my old phone to my new phone. Whereas with my PC, I had to install a lot of new software. I had to uh, copy all my data files across. It was so much more complicated. Uh, but because the, a lot of my phone data was cloud-based, it was so much easier. Okay, I see. All right. Our second principle for online collaboration is show your face. So when you're working online, you may well find that you're working with people you've never met face-to-face and you won't meet them for the duration of the project. So for that reason, it's important that you relax a bit, uh, be a bit human, share your personality with others and allow them to share share theirs with you as well. So... It, because you're not going to have that face-to-face rapport, you have to work a little bit uh, to, to do that kind of thing. Uh, it's not going to happen necessarily naturally. Um, so the sorts of facilities that allow you to do that are things like profiles on different social networking websites, for example. So you can set up a, f- a Facebook profile or your Twitter profile or whatever. You can uh, include a, a shot of yourself as your avatar. You can pr- provide a few facts about yourself, some interesting facts. But you don't want to overshare, so don't uh, give away your your address and your phone numbers uh, unless it's appropriate to do so within the context of the project. Yeah, and I think you've found this, haven't you, Chris, that because you're a full-time, you're an e-worker, so you're a full-time telecommuter, there are people that you've never met before, that you're your colleagues, but you meet them face-to-face at a conference and you realise something about them that perhaps you didn't know and maybe things that you didn't know that maybe they're sharing uh, earlier made it easier for you to do that face-to-face collaboration. Yeah, that's right. So uh, some of the people that I work with um I might meet them further down the track and uh, you get a bit of a surprise because they've not necessarily shared much information about themselves with you. It's only been prof- uh, professional contact that you've had through things like email or the occasional telephone call. So until you meet them, uh, you don't necessarily have that, that kind of information about them. And so, as I say, you have to, you have to work a bit harder to try and uh, inject a bit of your personality into your collaboration, but without overdoing it. Yep, I agree. So, so those first two things, like using the cloud and uh, showing your face, that's about setting up. So now let's look at actually collaborating on a particular task. And the first of our principles around this is letting go of perfection. So this is one thing that I've, I've often struggled with, Chris. <laughs> and uh, I guess the principle is uh, aim for it to be 80% right and 100% complete. In other words, get it out there, even if it's not perfect. That doesn't mean that you have to release a shoddy product or to, to compromise your standards – 
But the, the idea is don't try and control everybody in the team. So don't try to control the whole process, the whole outcome, the whole project, because you may not be working as closely together as you might be if you're all working together in, in an office. So if something's important, like if there is an important point that needs to be raised, then, then you should definitely raise it and, and fight for it. You should definitely not just let things slide just because somebody's not in the same office as you are. However, use your, use your judgment in this that a collaborative effort is that. It's collaborative. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to get 100% of what they want, but it does mean that, that you work together to create something that's a quality product or a, provide a quality service. Uh, don't compromise, but also let go of perfection. Don't let perfection get in the way of you completing your project. And I think that's inevitable, isn't it, Gihan? When you're working on a project as part of a team, whether it's online or not, um, it's, it, you're seldom going to come up with uh, a result that satisfies every, 100% of the team members, uh, 100% of their, their satisfaction. There's going to have to be compromise. That's right. And I guess with face-to-face teams, and particularly when you're working together in the same office, it's sometimes easier to have meetings where you thrash out these issues and people mm-hmm. might get closer to their 100%, whereas if you're working in an online team, you might have an online meeting and then you go away for a week and work, at, work on things separately. So you're maybe not face-to-face together as often to be able to thrash out these issues and, and fight yeah. for what's important. So let go of maybe lower what you think of as uh, has to be there. Uh, so don't go for perfection. Just go for good enough. Okay. So the next principle that we have is working to a plan. So when you're collaborating, you need to have a really clear plan. Everyone really needs to understand uh, what uh, timeline they're working to, the milestones along that timeline, what's going to be delivered and when, and you've got to make sure that everybody knows and understands that. And that's, that's particularly important for online collaboration because you don't necessarily have that casual contact with your team members when you're working online. You've got uh, less contact, and so it's really important that these sorts of things are clear. And also, uh, the team that you're working with when you're collaborating online might be one of these ad hoc teams that's been put together just for the particular project that you're working on. You might never have worked together before. So again, that clarity and that understanding is really important uh, for this kind of collaboration. I think this is a really important point, Chris, and it's one of those things that trips up teams who are working online for the first time or they're not used to it. Because when you are working together in an office, you kind of know what everyone's doing. Uh, You may not know by second by second, minute by minute, but you kind of know what people are working on. You kind of know if somebody's taking a day off uh, or if they've come in early or they're working late for some other reason. Um, And you know that and you know what's going on in their life. With With an online team, you don't. And that's part of the beauty of it, that you can set the deadlines, you can set the outcomes, you can set your milestones, and then you leave people to work um, at their own at their own pace, in their own time, whenever they want to. So, for example, Chris, like when you and I were working on our book together, we had certain goals that we wanted to have a draft by this stage, we want to have reviews done by this stage. But I had no idea when you were working on it. And for me, I tended to work early in the mornings, and uh, I would spend maybe half an hour a day on the book, or maybe all of a Friday afternoon on the book, but you didn't know that and you didn't care. And we were comfortable with that. But it's very difficult for people who are working in an office uh, where they know where everybody else is at any time to just to switch their mindset to working to a plan and just just caring about the outcome and not about the process that, that brings it into place. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I guess following on from that is our next principle, which is setting the ground rules. So this is understanding not just your milestones and deliverables, but understand how the collaboration is going to work. So it's not just about a plan, but it's just 
but it's about making sure that you haven't made any assumptions that are going to trip you up. Uh, and the things, the simple things, the simple things which once you, once you understand them and you realize them, they're easy to take into account. However, if you don't, they can trip you up. So for example, if you say something that we, we need to have this report by 5 p.m. tomorrow. Now what does that mean? Does that mean 5 p.m. in my time zone? Does it mean 5 p.m. in your time zone? Does it mean 5 p.m. GMT? Does it mean what, and, and it, really does make a difference when you make uh, when you state things like that if you're working in different time zones or different countries or working with different currencies uh, or working with different um, documents in different formats you just got to make sure that everyone understands what they're working towards otherwise I might deliver it at 5 p.m. but actually it was um, you know, 7 p.m. in Sydney and it was too late for the, the person I was delivering it to so just be really clear about those sort of assumptions that you might be making things that you don't have to necessarily think about when you're working Next to somebody in an office, but you have to but you have to think about when you're working remotely. Um, another really common one is what happens if you're working on something and you get stuck and you need some help. So and the other person isn't there to help you. Do you do you agree among yourselves that there's there's certain things that you absolutely must stop and wait for wait for input and feedback, or do you just go ahead and do the best you can and then uh, get the feedback later? And whichever decision you make is okay. Just make one of the decisions because otherwise you may spend a lot of time doing extra work that needs to be redone, or alternatively you might be missing deadlines. So I mean these these are really simple decisions, but they're decisions that have to be made right at the start to make the collaboration work. Yeah, Gihan, and you talked about uh, time zones uh, just a moment ago, and our last principle touches on that, which is to think global. So this comes into play if you're working on a project with international members of a team, and that's something that uh, I do on a regular basis. So the people that I work with are scattered across the globe and work in various time zones, speaking different languages, adopting different ways of spelling and uh, using different kinds of currency and customs. So time zones in particular is something that even after a decade of doing this still trips me up. Only last month the people in Britain that I work with switched over to daylight savings time so uh, time zones shifted by one hour and one of the meetings that I used to have at a particular time in the afternoon shifted by an hour and somehow collided with another meeting that uh, I was meant to be at. And I think it was, you know, one meeting was set up in one of one of our uh, team members' time zones and the others were set up in the other person's time zone, so eventually there was a collision. So it's that kind of awareness that you need to... to uh, to have, and most of us do, but every now and then we trip over. But uh, as well as time zones, there are other things like uh, languages. So, for instance, I'm lucky and I can be lazy. Most of the people that I work with can speak English, uh, but for many of them, it's not their first language. So I uh, have a weekly meeting where we have uh, a guy from Australia who speaks a different language from the guy in Britain, and there's a, a guy in the United, in, sorry, in uh, India, and another guy in Switzerland. So the, the Swiss and the Indian guy. English isn't their first language, so you know you have to uh, make allowances for that, and also uh, you know, that means uh, uh, speaking clearly, unlike what I'm doing now, <laughs> speaking clearly with them uh, when you're on the conference call, and uh, you know giving them the time and space to to put their points across uh, clearly as well, because they're not speaking in their first language. 
and I think that even uh, applies to certain phrases. So if you say, like, we can say that we'll we'll meet again in a fortnight, but Americans mm. may not know what that means. And, and sometimes the meeting, sometimes the meaning is opposite. So if we say that we're going to table a topic, that means that we bring it to the bring it to the meeting. Whereas I think if Americans say they table it, that means they're deferring it. So you've just got to be careful about phrases like that, which could yeah. be the exact opposite, and you just don't realize it because you're uh, you may not even be aware that you're using phrases like that. But that just comes with time. Yeah, that's right, Gihan. I think it's just a matter of practice and familiarity and, and awareness. Yes, and that, that is happening. And as we're doing more online collaboration, people are becoming more aware of that. But still, these problems do occur. And some of them, you can automate your way around. So mm. if I send you an invitation in Microsoft Outlook and you accept it, then it will st- store it in your calendar in your time zone, which is great. But some of the stuff, like the, the spelling and currency and customs, those sort of things, you just have to be aware of all the time. Yeah. So those are the six principles that we've covered. So let's now put that into – we'll give you an example of how we do an online collaboration using a case study. So it's not a perfect case study. What The one we're going to use is the the process that we used for writing our book and putting our book together, the out-of-office book, because we did some of that uh, online and we did some – it was a collaborative effort, of course, and some of it was face-to-face because we happened to live in the same city, uh, but some of it was online as well. And so let's talk about the process that we that we went through to, to write the book and we'll talk about some of the online collaboration tools that we used. We might even touch on some of those that we didn't. Sure. You might be able to use if you're if you are doing – you know, if you have to, if you're forced to do it online. Um, and I guess the, the structure for this case study, we'll go through it fairly briefly, but the structure we went through, uh, that we go through now is the, in the out of office book, we've outlined a structure for online collaboration, which goes through a number of steps. So it's build up, team up, set up, meet up, chat up, mark up, and fix up. So let's, uh, let's go through those. Yeah. And that's how you do any sort of collaboration. Uh, and we'll use the, we'll use our case study of the, uh, of the writing the book together. So Chris, why don't you get started with the build up section? No worries. So build up refers to the initial planning of the project and setting up a, a space in which to collaborate. Now, when we first got started, uh, we we, I thought, when I say we, you drafted a Google Doc that um, had some initial ideas in it, and then that evolved into a kind of list of to-do items where we re- recorded what we needed to do and checked them off as we went. As for the manuscript itself, we contemplated using Google Docs as well, but found uh, this is one of those examples where we tried to use the cloud, the, the principle of trying to use the cloud, um, but reverting to Microsoft Word in this case um, when it wasn't feasible. And that was because at that stage, the Google Docs word processing tool wasn't quite as sophisticated as we needed. So things like uh, different styles and formatting weren't quite up to scratch um, as far, uh, compared with Microsoft Word. And also, I think your familiarity with, with developing manuscripts in Microsoft Word sort of had a bit of uh, inertia and momentum behind it, Gihan, so that might also have helped us uh, sway our decision in, in, in towards using Word rather than Google Docs. Yeah, and I'll actually add to that. that now, now uh, probably a year or two later, uh, I think that... Uh, Using Google Docs it would be a really good idea for writing a book, and uh, because uh, for a couple of reasons, one is Google Docs has improved, and secondly, uh, most of the books that I'll be writing in the future will be eBooks, and the eBook format is a is a lot simpler than Microsoft Word, so you don't have to worry about headers and footers and page numbers and a lot of the cross referencing yeah. features that Microsoft Word offers. So I think 
next time around, uh, I might well use Google Doc if I'm uh, Google Docs if I'm collaborating on a book with someone. Indeed. And I think also because there were just two of us working on the manuscript itself, uh, there wasn't that – if we had a larger team working on a single thing like a manuscript, then perhaps that would have been a more compelling choice uh, using a, a, a cloud-based tool, whereas it was just you and I working on separate sections of the single manuscript that uh, meant we could make do with using Microsoft Word. And in order to share that manuscript, we used uh, the Dropbox file sharing tool. Yep, exactly. And I think you're yeah. right. And if you are, if you're working with a bigger team, then, and you're going to use that, that particular method, the one that we use, then you've just got to decide that one person's got to be in charge of the master document and, uh, the others send, send changes to that person. Or you've got to be very careful that you're always working on different sections of the document. Yeah, yeah, which we, which we were. Which we were. Now we didn't, uh, set up any project, online project workspace. Uh, there are quite a few good tools for doing that. Things like online communities like Ning or Basecamp as well. But for you and me, we, uh, we, we stuck with just using email. That was enough for, uh, our particular project. So we didn't have to use any of the online project or, uh, workspace tools. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So that, that was our planning. So we did, we, we chose our set of tools at the start and we were happy to work with that. And it was fairly simple because for most of it, it was just the two of us. And that, that's the next step. The next step is team up, which is picking our team. So we'd already picked the authors, which were going to be you and me, Chris. So we'd mm-hmm. already sorted that out. However, we did have other team members who jumped in at various points. So we, we outsourced some of the work to Elance. So we got transcription, ghostwriting, um, done early on in the process and the book cover design done towards the end. Um, I guess one point I should make is that although we did use Elance to find those, to source those suppliers, what we ended up doing was choosing people that we'd worked with before. And that is, I think, something that you'll find, that if you're working, if you're doing a task for the first time, of course you have to choose somebody on Elance, but if you're working with, uh, if you're doing a task again, uh, then work with people you've worked with before. Don't just just because you've got access to thousands of suppliers, don't just choose different people e- each time. You generally end up um, using high-quality providers that you've used before. Um, and the other thing that the other service that we used was Fiverr, uh, Fiverr.com, which allowed us to do cartoons and the, the, the little caricatures of you and me that seem to be very popular in the book, Chris. That's right. <laughs> Um, then the other people that we used, uh, and these are, I guess we could consider them part of our team, reviewers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we, um, partway through the process of writing, we identified potential reviewers, sent them a draft copy of the book, and they came back with some excellent comments, which really made the book so much better. And we just did that by sending them a, a PDF version, and they, they commented on it. In, commented on it in various ways. We didn't include them in the Dropbox team or that sort of online sharing. We just wanted to make it as easy as possible for them. So we just took their comments and then we, you and I, incorporated them into the book. When we got to the printing, there are various online printers now, but we didn't use them. Uh, I've used, again, we ended up using somebody we've used before. So I'd used Optima Digital, uh, which is a company, a local company here, and uh, I've used them in in the past for printing my books and I decided to use them again because it was very easy to review copies for me to just drive up there. It's a 10 minute drive to uh, have a look at the draft copy that they produced and uh, sort things out that way, even pick up the books at the end. Uh, so it saved on the shipping costs of the books at the end. So in that case, we didn't use an online service, but some online services are available. Um, and then for the ebook version, we chose a service called ebookit.com. Uh, 
we could have published directly to Kindle ourselves uh, and to the other stores, but we decided to pay $150 and use eBook it to do the distribution for us, and that's turned out to be really good. It's really, it's really easy. They they pay us by PayPal every month, and uh, they take a small commission as well on each book, but we don't mind that. Yeah, and they turned it's turned out to be really good, and I think it was the first time that you'd used eBook it, wasn't it, Gihan? It was, it was, and so part of my hidden agenda, or part of my agenda, was to to try one of these online distribution services, and I was very pleased with their with their service and with how quickly they did it and how professionally they worked. Okay, so the next phase we've called set up, and that's about setting up meetings. Uh, uh, along the the journey of uh, producing your particular product and your deliverables, uh, in this case our our book, so uh, it wasn't that difficult because as far as meetings were concerned, there was just the two of us, so that was fairly easy to do using email. But where you've got to coordinate uh, larger numbers of people, then things become a little bit more complex, and there are tools for doing that. One of them's uh, Tungle Me, and is the other one TimeBridge Gihan that uh, help you coordinate setting up meetings between large groups of people? Yeah, they're the two that I've used. Basically, mm. you nominate some times where you're available and everyone picks a time that works for them. Yeah, and they're kind of useful, particularly where your team members might not all be using the same calendar software. So, you know, if you're working for an organization that uses Microsoft Exchange, then you can all use Outlook and everyone can share their calendars that way. Or if you've all got a, a Google calendar, then then that works well as well. But if you're all using different systems, then you need these third-party tools like TimeBridge and TungleMe. And uh, during the course of writing the book, we were also recording regular podcast episodes. So that gave us the opportunity at the end of each of those recordings to have a conversation about the book if we needed to, uh, and those were conducted using Skype. Yeah, exactly. And again, just because there were the two of us, it was very easy for us to coordinate meetings. Uh, and that the next step is meetup. So the setup is uh, scheduling the meetings. The meetup is actually doing the meetings. And Apart from those conversations that we had at the end of each podcast uh, recording, most of our meetings were face-to-face, and and that was really by choice because we took the opportunity to have a bit of a lunch and have a bit of a catch-up, a social catch-up as well, but also it's time to talk about the book. So we did that face-to-face, and that was that was feasible because we live in the same city, we live close by, so that was fairly easy for us to do, but there are online meeting tools as well. So GoToMeeting is one of them. There's a number of other now uh, online meeting tools available. I've, I think that Google Hangouts is quite a useful tool which allows you to have up to 10 people in an online video conference. It's very easy to set up. You just, everyone needs to have a Google Plus account, but that just takes a couple of minutes to set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I've been using that myself, Chris, for some of my clients to run monthly, like a discussion forum around a particular topic, and that works really well. So if you, if you're going to do um, regular uh, team meetings nowadays you can do it either with just audio with a teleconference or nowadays there's some really good video conferencing tools available as well and so most of our meetings were just between the two of us we, we could have it there are there were times when we could have if we wanted to involve some of the other team members so for example with elance elance has a way that you can contact you can you can phone or skype um, people that you're working with we didn't need to do that but that is available to you if you want to and i would, I would suggest that if you're doing a more complex project where you do want to, or a longer project where you do want to have longer um so sort of more in-depth conversation than you can with just email exchanges, then some of these outsourcing, these talent markets and outsourcing sites do allow you to do that. Yeah, and I guess going back to the, the setup phase, 
that when you're choosing a particular environment, if you are using something like Earlance, then they do provide that kind of environment for you if you need to use it. So speaking of the different kinds of communication, Meetup, we're talking about scheduled meetings, whereas uh, when it comes to more informal meetings uh, or chat-up, as we've called them in this particular set of tools, then we'd have those occasional meetings, uh, occasional chats, informal chats on Skype after we'd had uh, a podcast, or we'd send each other a brief email message uh, just to sort out a, an issue that might have cropped up and needed to be talked about. Um, but there are other things that we could have used, like uh, we could have used an instant messaging tool or we can, you can use uh, the Skype instant messaging component. And I guess uh, now that uh, Google Plus has got these, uh, these Hangouts, I guess a Hangout is a, a good way of putting together an informal uh, face-to-face video meeting. Yes, it is. And uh, you probably use uh, the IM tools more than I do, Chris, just in a normal workday, don't you? Yeah, that's right. So um, it's called Link. It's it's part of the Microsoft Office suite. And uh, yeah, when you're when you're using Microsoft Office and you're signed into Outlook or Link, then um, if you need to have a a, um, a synchronous conversation, a, a, a one-on-one conversation with someone, then yeah, I generally use the instant messaging tool on my desktop. And it also one of the advantages is it shows me if someone's available or in the meeting or don't want to be disturbed, and I, I can similarly set my status to reflect that as well. Yeah, great, great. Okay, so we talked about the whole idea of setting up meetings, which is going to be a big part of your project. Uh, but now the, the last two steps, uh, markup and fix-up, which are about how you manage the documents that you're sharing. Because generally, any, any online collaboration, there'll be some sharing of documents. And in our case, it was very simple because we just it was just the two of us, and we were just editing one Word document. So I was in charge of the master document, and Chris, when you, whenever you wanted something changed, you'd, you'd send me a list of changes, and I would incorporate them into the document. And internally, I used Microsoft Word's track changes feature so I could look at what has been changed over, over various versions. Um, if we'd done it online, we could have used something like Google Docs. We'd be both working on the document and we could also see of what changes each person has made. So Google Docs allows us to look at old versions of documents, see what people have, uh, see what changes have been made and even undo some of the changes if we wanted to. But for us, we just kind of use a fairly old-fashioned version, which is simply to, to mark up a word, do- sorry, to make the changes in a single word document with one person being in charge of the master document. Indeed. And the final step, which is fix-up, is all about tracking the changes that need to be done, so primarily a to-do list. Now, rather than um, having emails and each of us maintaining a separate to-do list, instead we had a single Google Doc, which was our to-do list, and on that we both kept track of the things that we needed to do. So we would add items as those actions became apparent, and then we'd cross them off as they were completed. And the important thing was that it was a single document that we had both had access to uh, and could and could add to and subtract from as the process as the project progressed. Yeah, and because it was just the two of us, it was we could easily just work on a single document. And the, but that was an essential document. And I think even if you've got a bigger project team, you need some way of being able to see. It's just like a status dashboard to see where everyone's up to. So it's really nice to have some sort of system. It might be a document. It might be a spreadsheet. It might be in a bigger project. You might have some sort of bug tracking system or um, a collaborative to-do list, something that shows where each where everybody in the process is up to. And uh, it's nice for a manager to be able to look at that and see a snapshot of where everyone 
where all the tasks are and the project as a, at a big picture, but also team members also want to know where, where other team members are up to and also for you to be able to say what, what you're working on when you plan to have it finished and if there's any delays and things in there. And it just stops all of that going back and forth between people just it's like going on a big trip and you say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? You don't have to do that anymore because uh, there's an online status report which anyone can uh, dip into at any time and see where everyone's up to. Yeah. And as far as the freelance uh, members of our team, the people that we contracted through Elance were concerned, then the email correspondence with them was also uh, tracked through the Elance um, the Elance website, so we could refer to that if we needed to rather than going and hunting through our, our um, email folders in order to find out where things were with our particular Elance contractors. Yeah, and I think hunting through email folders is always a method of last resort. Uh, However, unfortunately, quite often, it's a way that people try to keep track of what's going on. It's because they haven't put in the, the thinking into making sure this collaboration works. So everyone has their own way of managing their own email, and it's very hard to find email by looking through sent email and through all your archives. So have some other system where you can, where you can keep track of what's going on in your project. Absolutely. So we're there. We've, we've uh, completed this particular project. Uh, we've given uh, our listeners the principles and some examples of tools for online collaboration. Now, many of the tools that we've mentioned and many of the other online collaboration tools are either free or freemium. Freemium means uh, you can pay a bit extra and get a more enhanced version of the particular service. So, in other words, there's not much barrier to entry to using these online collaboration tools. So, if you're not already using the cloud to work with others, then next time you embark on one of these uh a team project, then make sure you consider using the cloud to do so more effectively. And if you need more detail, then uh, in our out-of-office book, we've got a chapter called Collaborate With Them, which discusses in more detail the principles that we've described today and gives further examples of the kinds of tools that you can use for online collaboration. That's right. And also when you buy the book, you can get access to our online resource center, which is at outofofficebook.com, and you get a password to that. And the, for the collaboration chapter, the, the specific tool that we've made available in the resource center is an on-demand webinar. So it's a webinar that I ran talking about the principles and tools of this online collaboration, and you can actually see some of these tools in action. So go to outofofficebook.com and buy the book, and you get access to this on-demand webinar as well. Fantastic. Thank you, Chris. It's Thanks, Gihan. Enjoyable conversation. As usual. And uh, we'll be back in a month's time. Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book out of office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice.